Welcome back to the Find Me in Seattle podcast. It is Friday, September 18th. I hope you guys are all doing as well as you possibly can, given that the world's on fire and it's a global pandemic and it just seems like it gets worse and worse every single week here in America. But this is why we're documenting it. This is why we're talking about it. So in 10 years, hopefully the world will be a little bit better of a place and we can reflect and remember this crazy time. And uh, it was another weird week. I feel like it has been the probably the most difficult week for me since the pandemic started. I know this is really me coming from a place of privilege saying that this is the worst week. But the fires have made it very challenging to really do anything. And so when the pandemic first started that first month, was a kind of a blur. I'd gotten back from Thailand. We were in quarantine anyways because we were on the flight. And then we started to get back into work. We realizing this might not be over in a month and started building new routines, right? How are we getting up in the morning? What are we doing? How are we adjusting to work, being on Zoom all the time, everything being through virtual reality, more or less? Uh, Amanda and I, created our morning hugs routine, which has pretty much been a life-saving tradition that we've started. The first thing that we do every single morning is just give each other a hug and have that reassurance and that physical connection. I think that's really important. And uh, even if you're living with a roommate, I highly recommend uh, implementing something like that. It's really made me feel a lot better every morning that I'm in this together with her. And uh, over the summer, the adjustment has been pretty good, actually, for me with all things considered. And I've started to get real comfortable with uh, how the world is going to operate, right? We can still go do things, put the quotes around that, uh, but you put on your mask, you wash your hands, you sanitize, you don't touch people. Uh, it's a little bit different, but those routines and, and figuring it out, how I go get food and how I promote local businesses is all really uh, gone you know, got to a place, I don't want to say it's normal, but it's got to a place where I'm comfortable. But with the fires this week, it's been crazy. Not being able to even open my windows and get fresh air has been very, very difficult. Uh, it's probably been 10 to 15 degrees hotter in my apartment than outside. This is the first week that it's seemed to be cool outside. We've got a little bit of sprinkles. Actually, today, uh, there's supposed to be rain, I think, here between 11 and noon, there's actually a chance of thunder and lightning. I'm like praying here on the podcast that I can hear lightning and thunder here during the show. And while it's going on, we're covered in smoke. Can't see the sun. Can't see the sky. It looks like a war zone, uh, at least for the sky. And it's impossible to breathe. Very difficult when you go outside and you don't want to let that smoke in your house or doors have been closed. And yeah, it's just been absolutely miserable. I've slept so bad this week because it's been so hot in my apartment. And the eight, the only AC we have is one that hooks up to the window that you have to have the window open. So we don't want to be pumping all the smoke into our bedroom. So yeah, it's been a weird week, but I'm so glad that we're supposed to get some rain and that I can actually walk outside and feel somewhat comfortable, even though it's still unhealthy today. Uh, but you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who is in so much more danger. I know I'm sitting here on the podcast and just complaining about being stuck in my apartment and uh, not being able to go outside when there's people really having 
uh, nightmare scenarios right now with their homes. So uh, I will stop complaining about the things that I'm probably really privileged to have right now. Uh, but let's talk about this week. I had a delicious meal. There were some really interesting headlines that happened. There were some food announcements that happened. So like always, we're going to start the first segment of the show. We're going to say this week in Seattle news. So here's what I saw. Uh, Seattle City Council voted to pay for all of uh, Council Member Kashama Sawant's legal defenses. Uh, she is facing a recall petition that could mean uh, she is going to have to run for re-election. I'm not sure. I think this is in February is when it will actually happen. And the council, I think it's pretty standard for them to pay for the legal defenses. But that was a big controversy in the news this week. Also, uh, UW researchers have found that the food insecurity rates have more than doubled in the state of Washington since March, uh, which is not necessarily a surprise, but it is a good reminder of if you have extra food or you have the means to be uh, looking out for those food donation services, Rainier Valley Food Bank or um, multiple food banks around the city, if you have the means to be donating to them because there's a huge need. We're going to be talking about more needs later here in the show. Uh, another sad news story was there was a fake press release that circulated earlier this week that the Grand Hyatt in downtown Seattle was offering shelter from the smoke to homeless folks. And I'm not really sure how this went from a press release on Twitter to getting into the hands of a homeless person, but the news did spread and homeless people showed up at the Grand Hyatt Hotel uh, expecting there to be maybe some services or some help. And there wasn't. Police got involved. A uh, very messy, sticky situation. Uh, not good for any of those parties. Lime scooters launched here in Seattle. I was down in White Center on Monday, and they have had scooters for uh, maybe a few months now. But now I saw them here in Queen Anne. I know they're in Ballard and popping up around the city. And then the first week that we get scooters is the first week that we get rain. And so I'm very curious on how that's going to work. I've ridden a couple of the jump bikes a couple of weeks ago, but I was so uneasy about riding the bike just from who's touched this thing, what germs are on it, and is this safe to be touching? I wanted to wear gloves. I didn't end up wearing the gloves when I rode the bike, uh, but it was one of those things that uh, I didn't touch my phone, I didn't touch my face, I didn't touch my mask, anything while I was on the bike because I was touching the handlebars. You stop the bike, um, you I sanitized my hand, then pulled my phone out and ended the trip, and then um, pulled out all my stuff, re-sanitized my hands. It was a big pain in the butt. And so I've been so excited for these scooters to launch here in Seattle for years, really. And now I don't even feel so comfortable riding them. And the streets in Seattle just aren't very safe for riding the scooters. I know we have the protected bike lanes that will help, but I'm very curious, knock on wood. I don't want to be the first person who is going to make one of these uh, Seattle news headlines for the first person first person being significantly injured on these scooters because it's going to happen. People are going to get hurt. There's no denying that. And with the sidewalks being so bumpy and when the rain comes, it being slippery, they are pretty dangerous, but uh, I st still really want to ride one. Maybe this weekend I'll take one and go ride around Seattle center just to check back in with you guys and see how easy it is and how fun they are. Uh, they do go pretty quick. Another headline is Fifth Avenue Theater in downtown Seattle is going completely online for the 2020-2021 season. So they're giving out digital subscriptions that go on sale at the uh, start of October. And what they're doing is they're creating a bunch of content from podcasts and live stream concerts that they're going to be doing exclusively online. 
just another unique example of businesses trying to evolve, create new systems, new services, new products, and dealing with the pandemic. I think this is them recognizing that we're nowhere close to the end of this thing. There's definitely not going to be people allowed back in theaters for a very long time. So I think this is a creative solution. Not sure really what the price is, uh, but I think it's pretty exciting for Fifth Avenue Theater to be creating their own version of content. And uh, if you're looking for more entertainment out there online, that could be something that you're looking forward to. I'll report more on that here when I get more information about what actually is going to be provided within the subscription. Uh, big news happened this week, and I reported on this a couple weeks ago, but Pier 58, uh, which was on the Seattle waterfront right by the Great Wheel and the Seattle Aquarium, it collapsed last Sunday into the water, and several people were injured. And uh, the video is kind of uh, one of those end-of-the-world-looking videos, right, where the whole pier just, like, breaks off and falls into the water. I haven't seen any video where you, like, you can see the people fall in the water before when I've seen I think everyone is safe from that, but it was something that they warned about maybe a month ago, talked about how many millions of dollars are going to be in our reported here on the show and did not think that in September it was going to fall off the pier that it was crazy to see. And it was a good thing that they caught it last month because that could have been such a horrifying, terrible tragedy if they hadn't caught that damage and blocked off that part of the pier, especially here late summer. Um, normally that place would have been packed. So uh, at least they caught it. That's some good news uh, before, you know, the pier fell back in the ocean and now it's going to cost millions of dollars to fix it. What else do we got? Um, ooh, know what? I'm catching myself on my notes. I deleted part of it, but let's catch it up. So Chef Eduardo Jordan is going to be taking over Dick's drive-in at Queen Anne um, and oh, this is where I messed up. I put the Pier 58 and I must have cut out the Eduardo Jordan. But what he's doing is he's taking over Dick's Driving in Queen Anne and he's been, been serving uh, like his own version of a Dick's Pimento Cheeseburger. He's going to be using Dick's Fries and then he is making a uh, milkshake that this is why I wish I still had it up, but it is a sweet potato milkshake very interesting and there was a lot of controversy when he announced this collaboration first the ticket price is set up to 60 dollars, and people lost their minds on the different online foodie communities that i'm part of and understandably so the the restaurant industry has been totally um ravaged by coronavirus and i'll give credit to chef Jordan because he has done some amazing things with his restaurants to create funds and services to help um, service workers. And so he deserves a lot of credit for all the work that he has done over the last six months. I want to make sure that I sandwich this topic in with all the great things he's done. So when I first saw it, I was like, whoa, $60 is a lot of money for Dick's cheeseburger, milkshake and fries. But this guy has also done a bunch of amazing things for the community. And if he can find enough people to go spend $60 on these burgers, then freaking do it, right? I say, like, if he can sell that out and he can sell it all and people are willing to go spend $60, then then I say go for it. I'm always up for uh, chefs and entrepreneurs really taking a risk and doing something interesting like this. The high-end food market is always very interesting. People are looking for very, uh, even more so right now, unique experiences. And so why not? 
But then now I'm seeing when I looked at it to double check the information today that this burger, fries, and milkshake are actually going to be seventeen fifty, and that upwards to sixty dollars isn't on the article that I was reading anymore. And so seventeen fifty for a burger, fries, and a milkshake is actually so much more reasonable than anything else. Yes, it's not the eight dollars that that would cost you with normal dicks, but also the product is a little different. You're not going to get a sweet potato milkshake at Dicks. And so that 1750 is actually pretty normal. There, I'm seeing plenty of burgers around the city that are more than $17. I mean, I've seen them way more than $20. So I actually think it's a pretty good deal. I've changed my mind. I was going to go on a bigger rant about the $60. Uh, but a 1750, I'm going to actually go. I live down the street. Sounds interesting. It's kind of a unique novel uh, opportunity and pop-up. And so, so why not? But uh, tickets go on sale next week on September 24th. I assume it's going to be a hot ticket. It's been covered by all of the big media companies. And Chef Jordan is one of the most popular uh, restaurant owners and chefs in the city. So I would assume they're going to sell a lot of burgers. And what I'm most curious to watch is, is this going to be a successful business platform for people to start doing more of the pop-up style businesses, especially because we have so many buildings and restaurants that are empty right now. Why not take them over for a weekend and convert them into something unique, provide a unique socially distanced experience. I know with that Queen Anne location, they have the two doors on both sides. So I assume they're going to be able to do an entrance on one side and exit on another. It's just a matter of how do you manage the line Right? Are they going to be booking times to show up? I think that would be really smart so they don't have 50 people waiting in line in that parking lot because that just sounds pretty miserable in October for a cheeseburger. But I'm excited to see that someone's really going for it for doing a pop-up right now because pop-ups have always been really unique curated experiences, usually a high-end market for a very specific audience and guests but can we adapt that pop-up and like kind of like drive through walk through concept and put them all together and make it somewhat affordable and does that become more of like the modern restaurant and do these restaurant spaces kind of like the auto incubator in ballard have different pop-ups happening in their restaurants every weekend or every month i think that'd be really cool and really interesting and it sounds like a really good idea so he's kind of pioneering as far as pop-ups that are getting a lot of exposure because there are other pop-ups and actually uh, that transitions into my next segment uh, and pop-ups. But that is it for what I heard in the news this week in Seattle news. Um, Not as maybe exciting as other weeks, which is maybe a relief, but the peer falling is another danger. Just a a 2020 bingo card and uh, the city council making headlines every single week and that press release was just really sad uh but hopefully things keep getting better we'll obviously keep covering it every single week all right the segment that i care about the most the find me in seattle meal of the week goes to don lucho's it's a peruvian restaurant in the maple leaf neighborhood i was covering it last night on instagram and i said it was in the roosevelt neighborhood and this is this is like deep silly Seattleite conversation, but uh, Maple Leaf is just, I believe, north of Roosevelt. And the reason I was calling it Roosevelt is because Don Lucho's is on 80th and Roosevelt Way. And so I thought it was the Roosevelt neighborhood. 
when I looked it up here for the show, is the Maple Leaf neighborhood. But Don Lucho's is a Peruvian restaurant. They've got lots of traditional uh, Peruvian flavors. And their story is really cool. I met the owner. His name is Carlo. And I've had my eye on Carlo and Don Lucho's for a while because he just started as a food truck. And he was doing, uh, doing the normal food truck rounds, doing pop-ups at breweries or other local places. He's been doing a good job really like getting his name out there, being really consistent. And he finally found a space up here in Maple Leaf. And the space is super cool. I know it used to be a barbecue restaurant. I remember seeing these big smokers in the parking lot of this barbecue restaurant. I can't remember what the name is because I never went. They said they still have the smokers though, but they had to clear those out and make a bunch of space. And they have adapted. When you start a restaurant right now, you have to adapt it for COVID-19 2020 concerns and so they've put all their focus on the outdoor seating areas so where the bar in the barbecue restaurant where the smoker was they've cleared out that whole area and they put uh, a covering and awning they put a bunch of tables that are really nice like made out of wood uh they look a lot more high end than i really expected they're all socially distant they've got a couple heaters out there and uh, they got a big TV, so if if we have a not so cold Seahawks game, it'd be a great place to just like hang outside and do something a little different. And so that's in the back seating, but they also renovated or or redid the parking lot of the restaurant and made that all outdoor seating too. So they brought in all these picnic tables. They laid like astro uh, gra- fake grass turf all over the parking lot. Uh, they got heaters and they have all of these canopy covers as well. So they have a ton of outdoor seating. And yeah, I didn't even walk into the restaurant. So I don't even know what's going on in the inside. Uh, but lots of places that make you feel comfortable. They kind of have this like almost like red, lo- red rope um, line out front. So they took like their host stand and they put that out front also and they have a rope blocking you from the seating area and you have to go and check in and they give you your assigned seat obviously and it was not crowded for the outdoor seating but uh the to go was very busy so that made me really happy to see a bunch of people locally look like they were walking up and picking up food so i assume they're all people that live nearby and the food was fantastic i really absolutely loved it we ate the Lomo Saltado, the ceviche rotisserie chicken, and they made me a passion fruit pisco sour, which was delicious. Uh, when I was in Thailand, it was the first time I ever tried real fresh passion fruit, and I became obsessed. And uh, to have that in a blended pisco sour was absolutely delicious. I started off the meal with that. And then uh, Lomo Saltado, for anyone who's curious what that is, that's a flame skirt steak. Uh, mixed in with red onions, tomatoes, and garnished with cilantro. And it's actually topped on top of French fries and a side of rice. And it was so good. I I, uh, had all these different foods. So I only ate a little bit of it while I was there taking photos, but then I took it all to go. And when I ate it like an hour later when I got home, I was like, man, it was even better than the first time I ate it. It was a delicious, delicious meal. And uh, something that was very interesting that I didn't know was why the rice had such a unique flavor to it. It was uh, white steamed rice, but they put garlic and salt and pepper and an oil in the rice cooker when they're making it, and it just gave it a whole new style of flavor. And it was like, that's something I got to take home and try at home because it made the rice just delicious. When you mix it in with the sauce from the Lomo, it was absolutely delicious. Uh, So that's a steak version. They also have a portobello version and a chicken version. So if you want to try it, 
that traditional Peruvian flavor, but you don't eat beef, there's your option for you. The other thing I had was ceviche. It was very strong in lime flavors, but also very good. Something I learned about ceviche last night was that you're supposed to eat it with a spoon. I was eating with a fork, and the server came over. He's like, oh, I got to get you a spoon. Uh, and I guess in Peru, the the juice of the ceviche is actually like the main part that they want you to focus in on. And they, they he called it the tiger's milk. And he said that you've got to be getting the liquids with every piece that you bite because that's where all the nutrients and all the goodness is within the ceviche. And then he said, whenever anyone finishes um, the the main bowl of the ceviche, someone always makes sure to like lift the bowl up and sip the entire bowl. I kind of make it sound like uh, when you're done with cereal and you sip the milk, same thing. And that was something I didn't really know. I'm not too experienced with ceviche. So it was really cool to kind of get that lesson in, in what to look for and, and how to taste it and how they might eat it in Peru. And then I got a, a leg of the rotisserie chicken. That was super good. I've got that some leftovers here for lunch today. And overall, it was just an absolutely fantastic time. The last thing that they served me was chicken wings. And they're really trying to get these Peruvian chicken wings to be a compliment on like Sundays for the Seahawks game. So they have that TV in that outdoor heated area. So they're hoping that they can get some people there midday to come hang out, drink some drinks, eat some chicken wings and root on the Seahawks. And so I mentioned pop-ups earlier. So what was really cool is Don Lucho started as a food truck and doing pop-ups. So they've incorporated the food truck there in the back area, uh, back seating area. And every Thursday, they're going to be featuring a different chef in that food truck um, as like a little pop-up. So uh, this week, what they were doing is they were doing a Japanese-Peruvian fusion sushi rolls. So they had Jeff, uh, Chef Joe Tuesta as a featured chef on Thursday. And he was putting together uh, – he had two different rolls that he focused on. Uh, let me open it up here. So I apologize for my pronunciation. One was a sushi roll, ache vichado, which is a panko shrimp with avocado covered with thin slices of tuna topped with ache vichado sauce. Um, and that one was very good. But my favorite sushi roll that they were serving last night was the, uh, I think it's the furay roll, F-U-R-A-I. And it was a shrimp tempura with cream cheese, breaded and deep fried, and then served with unagi, uh, unagi sauce. And anytime you deep fry a roll, like I'm pretty much sold, you deep fry anything and it's delicious. And so it was really cool that they were taking um, these Peruvian flavors and then putting it kind of in a sushi roll mix. I was really happy to get to try both of those. And I think it's a really cool concept. They have this outdoor seating area and they have this delicious Peruvian flavors. So why not entice people to come on Thursdays and support a different chef and kind of uh, create and experience something different, a really cool thing that they're doing there. So I'd highly recommend if you want to have a unique experience or you're looking for like a date idea or something just to do that's different, check out Don Lucho's on a Thursday night in the Maple Leaf neighborhood. I promise you'll enjoy yourself and uh, you'll feel relatively safe when it comes to social distancing if you're going to be dining at their outdoor seating area. And I just loved it. I thought it was great and I was very, very impressed. And so Don Lucho's, you are my featured meal of the week. Thank you for being delicious and congratulations on being open there in the neighborhood. I think that's super cool and a huge success. I hope you guys absolutely uh, blow up here in Seattle and people are just craving your Peruvian food.
All right, this section of the show, we usually do the feature business of the week, but I've got a little bit of twist on it because what I want to talk to you about is Dining Out for Life here in Seattle. That's next Thursday, September 24th. And what Dining Out for Life does is it supports a local nonprofit called Lifelong here in Seattle. And they have a food and nutrition program called Chicken Soup Brigade. And since the pandemic shut down, they've actually had to double their meal production to meet the need of all of the neighbors in the area. And so normally what Dining Out for Life is, is it's a fundraiser for the for Lifelong. And they partner with a bunch of different restaurants all throughout the city. And then on that day of the event, all those restaurants take a portion of their sales that day and they donate them to Lifelong. It's usually a huge event, lots and lots of restaurants. But with COVID-19, there's not as many restaurants that are uh, able and really should be participating in this right now because uh, they've got a lot of their own problems. And so Dining Out for Life is still happening, but instead they're shifting towards really asking for us to make more of a personal contribution. So if we we're going out for Dining Out for Life, they're hoping that you can just donate your money instead, instead of just asking all of the restaurants to donate the money. But they are still partnering with restaurants. So I saw there's like 50 restaurants on the list for that day. So if you're curious about that, make sure you go check out their website. I'm also going to be covering them next Thursday on my Instagram. So you can stay tuned for that. But a little bit more information about Dining Out for Life. In 2019, more than 50 local HIV service organizations partnered with 2,400 restaurants across the country. They had 4,000 plus volunteers and they had over 300,000 diners. Uh, raise $4.28 million uh, for people living with AIDS, HIV in the United States and Canada. And uh, the best part is that all the funds raised through the city's Dining Out for Life event stays within your community or city. So if you dine out on Thursday or you make a donation, then it's going to stay here in Seattle with Lifelong and uh, contribute to lots of good causes in helping people that need it. And so to partner on with that, I partnered with my friends over at Viaduct. I'm actually wearing the shirt right now for anyone who's watching on YouTube. But the shirt says socially distanced since 1889. And my friends at Viaduct mocked this up uh, maybe back in April. And I've been wearing it for a while. And we've wanted to do this giveaway promotion fundraiser for selling this shirt. So we're combining this shirt with Dining Out for Life since I'm kind of promoting that as a good cause this week. And uh, $6, which is all the profit we get from producing and selling these shirts. We're donating next Thursday to Dining Out for Life. So if you're interested in getting one of these shirts, you can buy that on my website at findmeinseattle.com slash shop. Or uh, you can just go to Dining Out for Life and make a, a contribution to them. You can also visit Viaduct's website and buy a shirt from them and they'll make a donation as well. And yeah, we're just hoping to have some fun and raise some money and help this cool organization because uh, they have constituents that they really need to help. It's very important, the things they do, but partnering with restaurants is not a great time. So we want to do all that we can to help them out. And I think that was cool. And this idea of doing like a monthly shirt combined with a fundraiser and a local community organization is something that uh, I've wanted to do for like the last year since we've been talking with the guys over at viaduct and so it was like why not just start now we have the shirt we've been talking about it take the photo put it up there get the shirt on the store and you know even if i sell five shirts and it raises 
30 bucks. Uh, it's 30 more dollars going out for Dining Out for Life, and I think that's great. And we're probably going to continue. I'd love to have a different theme shirt every month at a different organization. I think there's something really interesting and fun that we could do there, and lots of people benefit from that. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Dining Out for Life is Thursday, the 24th. So uh, look at that list of restaurants. There's lots of restaurants in Capitol Hill if you're interested. And that's it. This 27 minutes. Uh, I've got to end this show before 30 minutes. So thank you very much for listening. One last thing is I also have another show called Community is a Verb with my friend Mr. Well Traveled. And we just published episode two. It's on YouTube. You can also find it on all of the podcast syndication platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. And episode two is all about voter suppression in the United States. And my friend Mr. Well Traveled, co-host, he has an app that he's working on called Next Up that is addressing this problem directly and talking about long lines at polling stations. So as we get closer to November, that's going to continue to be a giant issue. And I think that's some really direct influential work that he's doing on. So we talk a lot about that app and the problem here in the country. And I think it's just a great show. I'm very excited that we're doing communities verb every other week. I'd love for you to check that out as well. Thank you for supporting me as always here at the Find Me in Seattle podcast. Uh, thanks for the review. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for talking about it. Thanks for messaging me. Uh, thanks for hitting me up on the YouTube channel as well. I've got lots of unique carry out businesses that I'm featuring there on that channel and you know content every day all day that's what the job is all about now and uh thank you enjoy the week stay safe stay cool which uh not cool stay dry because it's gonna be raining i'm excited to be saying that more and uh be safe wash your hands wear your mask treat people nicely and we'll see you next week <laughs>